Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to episode 32 of the Baseball from the Home podcast. I'm Connor McKnight. He's Joe Brand. We're brought to you by the House of L podcast network. I've covered baseball for radio stations in Chicago the last 10 years. Joe's been broadcasting minor league baseball for the last nine. He covers the White Sox. He covers the Cubs for WGN Radio. You can find us both on Twitter. I'm at C1 McKnight, and he is at Joe underscore Brand 1. Subscribe, rate, and review the pod. Do all three of those things. It'll make you feel better like like eating your vegetables makes you feel better yeah nobody wants to go punch all those buttons on whatever machine you're looking at but you should do it anyway is talking about a phone like it's an old timey machine and broccoli in the same sentence making me 30 years older like right off the top of this podcast i know you just said it but did you say push buttons or punch buttons i don't know i don't know i'm not entirely sure i haven't really been taking care of of actually what i'm talking about because because the verb punch like punching a button i think that is now extinct yeah like no one's actually pressing a button down like lowering it anymore well but that's that's an old mcneil line too you know punch the button radio is something you 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 know you have to it's so bad you have to slam the button you have to punch the button to remove it from your uh, from your palate okay. i don't know it's there's it's, a there's a comedian out there that talks about how uh the ending of an angry phone call has changed these days because you used to be able to slam the phone back on the hook can't do and it now it's like uh, i'm just gonna tap this red circle and yeah really show you tap it maybe seven or eight times and make you feel a little bit better anyway subscribe rate and review we'd really appreciate it if you do uh we're gonna cover the cubs and we're gonna cover the white Sox like we always do thing of it is here on december what is it ninth tenth when you're listening to this there ain't a whole lot of cubs news they just there there isn't uh the winter meetings have come and gone the the most fun thing was watching reporters who weren't there draw pictures of other reporters they wish they were with and posting them on Twitter. Like, that was that was about it. The White Sox made a hell of a lot of news, so we'll get to that. But the Cubs haven't done a whole lot. We also had just a, a real kick to the old newts as far as minor league baseball goes i joe we're gonna we're gonna talk about it some man but it's it's my heartbreak but it's your actual loss so the floor is yours there before we get to it all though i should let you know that our podcast is made possible by all the fine folks at team hockberg david hockberg and his friends are absolutely fantastic if you are buying or refinancing the mortgage on your home you should talk to Team Hockberg. Not only do they sponsor this podcast, but they sponsor the whole shebang at House of L. They actually, prior to all this, helped secure my mortgage for the place in Wicker Park. I absolutely loved working with them. Uh, not only has David worked incredibly hard since the onset of the pandemic to make sure that he knows 
exactly what's best for his customers amidst these you know trying times. But one of the things that drew me most to Team Hochberg was the fact that from right off the get-go, they took the time to get to know me, my situation, my timeline, my buying preferences, what I could do, what I wasn't willing to do, all those kinds of things. They knew the ins and outs of me as I was going to buy a home. And I can't imagine anything more important for those of you who are looking to buy now in this marketplace or looking to refinance. Call them, 855-56-DAVID, or head to the website at 56david.com. Homeside Financial is an equal housing lender, NMLS 1124061. So, Joe, I'll make it your dime and your dance floor, man. Would you would you rather lead off talking about why the Cubs haven't done anything or all of the stuff that the White Sox did? I think we just have to dive into the White Sox because even though there's a lack of news for the Cubs, I don't think that the lack of news is actual news because I think we all kind of assumed that this was going to be what happened, at least in the early going of, of the offseason. I think we're still a ways away from a big splash or a big trade, and watch by Friday, Chris Bryant will be traded, and we'll have to do another emergency <laughs> podcast, something along those lines. But yeah, I, I think I think we were all kind of in agreement, or at least understood that anything was going to move on the Cubs meter was going to take some time, maybe till at least after the holidays. Yeah, well, then I'm with you, and there's no better place to start than the Lance Lynn trade because I, I understand that the Adam Eaton signing happened afterward. It's the latest news. But the Lance Lynn trade is a much bigger deal for the White Sox for a whole host of reasons. And to make this fun for you who's listening, I will tell you this. Neither Joe or I have been able to talk since the Lance Lynn trade happened. So I don't know where he's at on it, and he doesn't know where I'm at on it. Right here, I'm pro-Lance Lynn trade. Where are you? I'm also pro. Okay. Okay. I, I think, okay. I, I think it was jarring to a lot of Sox fans right away because, you know, the back end of the rotation – at the end of 2020 was the possibility between Dylan Cease or Reynaldo Lopez or Dane Dunning, and everybody wanted Dane Dunning because Dane Dunning came up and did what he's supposed to do, and this is the guy that we can rely on, and let's throw him in for game three. But you know what? How many starts did he have? Seven, eight, and that's it. And you need a third starter, and you know what you're getting out of Lance Lynn. I understand you're only guaranteed this year, but let's face it, it's 2020. That's what these types of pitchers cost nowadays. This isn't the 80s where you don't, you hardly know who Dane Dunning is and just, oh, he came up and made a couple of nice starts. Like now, nowadays, everybody is following along with these prospects from the moment they get drafted to just about everything they do in the minor leagues. So, that is what it's going to take to fill a number three slot in the rotation. And I said on Twitter, it's one year, but he seems like a pretty prime candidate to go on and sign a short-term team-friendly deal after this. I wouldn't be surprised. No, I wouldn't either. And, you know, there's a handful of things just kind of cruising around on, on White Sox Twitter, which I do love. I, I really do. I, I love all of you on White Sox Twitter. Well, I love most of you on White Sox Twitter. I love the bulk majority of White Sox Twitter. But there's a couple of things that I, I think need to be said. Not every prospect is Fernando Tatis Jr. It's just, it that really needs to be said. 
I get that they got absolutely burned by the trade of for James Shields. I I, I get it. It's one of the it's probably one of the worst trades of the decade. I, I think Rick Hahn would probably be the first I mean he has he called himself an asshole for making the trade, right? I mean he <laughs> he gets it, and so does the rest of the world. But that doesn't mean that every guy you trade from here on out is Fernando Tatis. Hell, Dane Dunning could be a decent starter who never stays healthy the rest of his professional career. That was possible when he was with the Whites. If he was going to be a White Sox for the next six years, it's possible with these, if he's with the Rangers for the next six. I also still believe in something that baseball prospectus made very popular in the late 90s and into the 2000s. And that's very unlike me, Joe, like holding love for something from the late 90s or early 2000s. Like who who would have imagined that I still listen to the Blue Album from top to bottom? Why why would I do that? And I mean, the soundtrack of our podcast definitely doesn't portray that either. No, neither of us stay up late watching old baseball movies on MLB Network. And by old, I mean like The Sandlot, uh, Little Big League, and Rookie of the Year. <laughs> neither of us have done that. Three gems, three gems. Absolutely wonderful films. Uh, triumphs in American cinema. I'm I'm a believer is in there is no such thing as a pitching prospect. It's got a big, long acronym that Baseball Prospectus made funny, TINSTAP, right? But truly, there really is no such thing as a pitching prospect. They're all hurt. Pitchers exist in this Schrodinger's box of hurt. The moment you look inside that shoulder, it, it's hurt. It doesn't look good or that elbow or whatever. The 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 bulk of injuries happen at the age Dane Dunning is or just beforehand. The complications of the injury Dane Dunning's already had pop up at about this time in his career, too. It's part of the reason, and I know Sox fans, you know, don't love us dragging the Cubs into the conversation necessarily, but, you know, that's did kind of what we found in the podcast on. It's part of the reason that Theo and Jed did what they did in building their franchise, in building their 2016 winner. They let other teams take the burden of the injury nexus and took the pitchers that had already, for the most part, that had already come through that funnel. I Lance Lynn has already been through it. I, I know he spent some time, a lot of time, on the shelf. I mean, he didn't pitch in a season. 2018, he didn't pitch. So I, I understand that. But he's also a he's a hefty boy. He's a large adult son that's more than happy to take the ball for you 25 times or so. And, you know, I, I think another thing bears mentioning here, you and I were both befuddled by the Tony La Russa signing as, as the manager of the White Sox. It's hard to say that it doesn't help in potentially re-signing or just making the White Sox in 2021 a better place for Lance Lynn because he seemed to really like Tony La Russa. I'm glad you went that route because I think it brings up the biggest point and maybe the best attribute of this Lance Lynn acquisition. Okay, 11 p.m., whatever it happened, Monday night. Yeah, it's, oh, man, Dane Dunning's gone? Oh, that's kind of a buzzkill. What, what a fun prospect he would see to come up right away. And then you look at it, you look at the numbers, you know Lance Lynn, you know what you're getting out of Lance Lynn when he joins the team, and you understand why they do it. Rick Hahn even went on to talk about it. it. It's not like you're just taking Dane Dunning, crumpling him up, and throwing him away. You're getting something for him. And as much as you you acquire Dane Dunning in the trade from Adam Eaton, who we'll get to in a minute, it's just as beneficial to get another source, which they do in Lance Lynn. 
And again, I think I think that this can be a guy that they can sign to a short-term, team-friendly deal after this season. He's going to be what thirty-four heading into next year. We're going to be yeah. We're going to be coming off this pandemic. I don't think anyone's going to be willing to make a big splash for a thirty-four-year-old pitcher for a long-term deal. So I think he's going to be able to set, or he's going to be more inclined to settle for something that can be beneficial for the White Sox. That's down the road, but for the here and now. With the Tony Larusa situation, I just think it's so significant that his his only year with Tony Larusa was his first, and of course that's because Tony Larusa's been out of the game for quite some time. But the fact that he's this young stud young stud pitcher that comes up, Tony Larusa uses the hell out of him in the playoffs and in the World Series. He wins a World Series, so he's successful in his first year in the majors, and then he goes on to have a very consistent career. Now it kind of all comes back full circle. And for for the people out there that are worried, for the White Sox fans out there that are worried about Tony La Russa's relationship with the younger players, here's let me let me pause a scenario for you. Tony La Russa does something or says something to one of the younger players, and one of the younger players is pissed off. And then he starts telling some of the other younger players, you know, why is this old guy telling me what to do? Maybe a Lance Lynn can step in and be like, hey, you're right to be upset, but just so you know, this is probably why he's trying to do it this way. And maybe he didn't communicate it the best way, but just so you know, I have been in this spot, I have dealt with this, and we went on to win a World Series. And I know it's easy to see all sunshine and rainbows in this situation, but but Lance Lynn went on to talk about how how different the younger players are treated nowadays compared to the older players. How he said, when I was a rookie, I would come in and here's what you're doing and you're going to like it and you do it. And whether or not you like it, you do it. And he said, nowadays it's all right, well, let's talk about it. Let's, let's figure out what you like and what you don't like. And let's, you know, work on these things. And I don't think this is a whole black and white conversation of, you know, ageism and, I mean, we're both of the younger generation. I've gotten three participation trophies for coming in last place in a soccer league, but I don't think that I deserve to be patted on the back for every little thing I do. So I just think I think it's okay to have a cohesive approach with younger players nowadays, and maybe Lance Lynn is the guy that can just coax that relationship between the two parties. You know, I've never really gotten the thing about participation trophies for our generation, right? Like, I, I get, yeah, I got them too. But it's not like I signed up for the Tigers soccer team when I was seven years old and said, listen, I'll play, okay? But I better have a participation trophy at the end of the season. Like, our parents did that. We didn't. That's true. We weren't asking for participation trophies and orange slices. We showed up. We liked playing soccer. We liked orange slices. And then our parents handed us a damn participation trophy. We didn't pay pay the league fees. We weren't heading down to sluggers, like, taking their money and saying, hey, I got to have a participation trophy for these jerseys. It's all nonsense. It's all complete. Our parents did that to us. That's what happened. I mean, if you want to call us, if you want to call us the generation that just blames our parents for everything, sure, I'll take that. <laughs> Put that on the back of a jersey and I'll show up at a rec league. No problem. So you didn't sign a contract before playing with the Goofy Grapes that I need four orange slices <laughs> before and after each no. game? No, 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 I didn't. And, you know, speaking of, I, I was a terrible soccer player, didn't play long, but I, I played, you know, obviously Little League Baseball all the way through. Were you on a Little League team that had a Major League team name? 
or were you not did you did your league not do stuff like that no every year every year we had major league teams uh except for the fall league the fall league they always did this approach where they uh they took defunct baseball teams so one year i was on the senators and then well that's cool i mean that's that's cool and then the next year they did nba teams so i was on the raptors I, I remember oh that's also cool I was at I think I was on the Tigers my my t-ball team was the Tigers uh, and I remember like growing up liking the Tigers because I was a a little league tiger like I it was before I really had kind of sorted out what team is where and all this stuff I mean we're talking t-ball right yeah. but I remember when I was like in my I don't know five ten years ago something like that. Major League Baseball was coming down on little league teams for like not licensing the logos. Come on. And I'm thinking, what do we you do you mean you don't want to print fans at a young age and hook them into it doesn't matter what team, just any team? The hell are we doing? That that that's wild. Uh in Pinto, Pinto League of Oakland Baseball, I was on the Angels for two years straight. And the- what was what was Pinto League? Because we didn't you know, I I was playing probably in Wisconsin at the was Pinto League like ten year old or Yeah, so it was it was fifth and sixth grade, and then after Pinto oh, okay. it was Colt League. For some reason they were all named after horses. I have no idea why. So did you have Babe Ruth ball or did you have something else? See, it went from I wish I could remember them all. It went from T ball to Mustang. Oh, that's what it was. It was T ball, Pinto, Mustang, Colt. There might be one more that I'm Oh, Pony. Pony League. Yeah. There was Pony League, Oh, too. yeah. Okay, Pony League ball. Pony League would have been... We had Babe Ruth ball. That was like the 13, 14, you know, before you got into high school kind of thing. And then you were playing high school leagues and then Legion ball. Legion ball Ooh. Legion ball was legit because you actually played at the American Legion field. And then, you know, in Wisconsin, if you're, if you're near the American Legion, you are near the bar, which you are... Well, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Well, Legion Ball seems a lot a, a lot more serious and professional than than Pony League. Um, yeah, but yeah. but yeah, in Pinto, I was on the Angels, and we had our jerseys were, you know, the dark blue old school Angels, like Jim Edmonds center field catch Angels look. Oh yeah. But I loved it was right when they were transitioning to the red colors with the halo over the A, and I loved that logo so much more. And I went and I bought that hat. So that I could wear that hat instead of the old one with the with the wings attached to the A, and I got reamed out by my coach. He's like, "You gotta match the rest of our team." I'm like, "But it's such a cooler logo. Look at it." He's like, "I don't care." And so that was the end of was that. Tony Larusa, your coach? <laughs> no, we uh, we were he, caps and sleeves in this organization, Vaughn. We couldn't get him. He was too, he was out of the game for too long at that time. Yeah, right. So here's here's the thing. The other thing about Lance Lynn, if you size Lance Lynn up. Against the class of free agent pitchers, name for me the free agent pitchers that are better than Lance Lynn. Uh, well, Trevor Bauer, of course. That's and, it. Yeah. That's the end of the list. I mean, it's – Lance Lynn has finished in a top five, top six, top seven in the Cy Young the last handful of years. And I'll be the first one to say it. Like, I'm sure if you looked back through old tweets or something like that, I have a a tweet about having to draft Lance Lynn in a fantasy league or something and being unhappy about it. I'm I'm of the crowd that has criminally underrated Lance Lynn for most of his career. I'm not right to do that. He's a lot better than the reputation of just throwing a hell of a lot of fastball, pounding the zone, and then maybe getting some bad contact. He's better than that. He's much better than that. And and when you look, I mean, there are a lot lot smarter folks than I 
who have taken a look at what Trevor Bauer is likely to get on the free agent market, um, have talked about the substance he may or may not be using to increase spin rate um, and his age and, and history and thinking that that's, that's just a bad investment all the way around, Lance Lynn's a pretty good addition for that 2021 rotation. I mean, shoot, Giolito, Lynn, and Keuchel, one, two, and three, feel really good about a short series there. You need another starter that's not named Kopech or Cease or Lopez or Stever or, you know what I'm saying? Like, you need more added into that depth, I think. But that's a good top three. Quickly on Trevor Bauer, because you brought him up. Uh, I, I think White Sox fans need to stop thinking about the whole one-year situation because of uh, Trevor Bauer's promise that he made, if I don't sign a one-year deal, I'll get shot with a paintball gun by one of my friends. I just realized that that is such a publicity stunt by him, which he everyone could totally see him do to go on his YouTube page. It's not even a dig. It's just, oh, yeah, I could totally see him doing that and wanting to do that. Acquiring Lance Lynn also just made me realize how much how much improvement your rotation goes from having two solid starting pitchers to three solid starting pitchers. I feel like you pass the league average once you get to that range, and then because of having Lucas Giolito and Dallas Keuchel, you're moving towards the top with those three alone. Right. Let's not also forget the fact that Lance Lynn is a guy that kind of reinvented himself with moving in the pitching rubber and uh, you know changing up his his pitch selection a little bit, a lot of little things that sounded a lot like what Lucas Giolito did, and maybe that can just be another benefactor for Dylan Cease figuring things out. I don't know if it's just another guy to pick his brain or another guy to work with, but who knows? I know sheer optimism, but that that could play a role. Well, listen, I mean, if you want to do the sunshine and rainbows thing, and and you know, it's 2020. I think we all deserve some sunshine and rainbows every now and again. If if you draw this rotation out to, I mean, like literally sketching the thing forward, you could somewhat easily see a point in late June, you know, assuming we're playing a, a somewhat regular season where Kopech is back in shape and throwing in the bigs. Cease has strung together a handful of starts that look, you know, somewhat good and it's dropped his... Um, I don't know, dropped his whip by about half a point, and you're thinking, shoot, one through five, you know, anybody's got a chance to beat you on any given day kind of thing. I mean, you're you're looking like a, like a potentially very strong and and long-term rotation. It's it's t- For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Tantalizing the names you can pencil in one through five, um, but you can never pencil in just five names throughout an entire season. It just doesn't work that way. You need seven or eight starters in the stable to make it through 162 now because we had this conversation a few podcasts ago about what what do the white Sox attack first their hole in the rotation or their hole in right field and they pretty much did it within what one day of each other (laughs) um less than that so it's good to see them accomplish that goal but 
Kind of going back to the Lance Lynn, Tony La Russa thing, and, and I bring this up because I think Adam Eaton fits into this as well, but it, it almost seems like those two guys that you acquire come in with somewhat of the same clubhouse responsibility, or, or at least come from, I don't want to say the same background, but maybe the same type of baseball upbringing, and maybe something that Dallas Keuchel has kind of been along the lines of saying where where it's just we're here to win for right now we're here to not so much groom these younger players but but just kind of be there for a sense of veteranism and just senior leadership because we've talked about in the past Tim Anderson and you might you'll know this more than I do but just Tim Anderson looks to me as the quiet leader the at least now the by example leader and Jose Abreu I know Adam Eaton was talking today about how he's impressed how bilingual he is now but but it's it's nothing to hide that Jose Abreu is more in tune with the Latin players and and that's more of his clique and that's more of his group so we saw what Dallas Keuchel did earlier this season where he kind of gave the whole team a shot in the arm when he called them out for underperforming. Maybe these are the types of guys that can do a little bit more of that, but I understand where White Sox fans are hesitant about that because of Adam Eaton's adversity. But I just think there's a lot more to Adam Eaton this time around, and it's not even so much of a I'm a changed person type guy. I just think the situations differ so much than in 2016. Yeah, I, I think that's true. And I was there in 16, and there are some things to be worried about, quite frankly. I mean, it's he's he's talked about them, right? I'm not telling you anything that Adam Eaton hasn't already talked about with radio stations in town over the last four or five days. Um, I don't know that he's all that happy to talk about those things, but he has addressed them at points, and I think that's fair. I think when you have someone you know, elsewhere in baseball who is pretty actively calling you out, you know, like the, the, the Frazier Eaton relationship is, then you do have to somehow be accountable for what happened in the past and how you're going to change going forward. And I think that goes quite frankly for Eaton and Frazier, um, even though Frazier's, you know, toward the tail end of his career. I think though, you know, Eden's been through a lot of stuff. He's talked about that. I hope he has changed. I mean, I hope we all have changed over the last five years, right, and become better people and, and at least kind of understood understood ourselves more, if not that. Um, but I do think what's interesting about Eaton from, from the baseball perspective is, you know, you know, we had talked a lot about the lineup being, I don't know, some similar at-bats at point, you know, swingy and missy and, and hacky, that kind of thing. Eaton has high contact skills, or at least has shown high contact skills the last time he was good with the White Sox. Um, when healthy, he can drive the ball for some power. When healthy, he played a very good right field. When healthy, he handles one half of the platoon. I don't know how healthy Adam Eaton is. I I don't think that adding just Adam Eaton to the outfield or to the offensive mix is um, where I would stop. If I were adding players, quite frankly, adding Lance Lynn doesn't preclude you from screwing around on Trevor Bauer and finding out whether he is interested in a one year, $30 million deal just to see what happens because Trevor Bauer's crazy. And when you've got crazy on the hook, you, you, you see what's up and you should be in on George Springer because George Springer still 
you know, you've still got a bat. You've still got a DH in this league. And I'm not saying George Springer is your DH, but shoot, you sign a player like that and you deal with how the hell are we going to get all these guys on the field at the same time. You can find the at-bats if you can't find the space in the outfield. I just don't think that either one of these moves precludes you from making a next great move and really taking stranglehold of the AL Central because it's there for you and you can do it. I don't either because but – but I'll bring up this point. I mean, right now you're looking at Adam Eaton playing the majority of games in right field. But there's definitely going to be, right now at this moment, I would say, but but there's definitely going to be some type of platoon factor with Adam Engel out there in right field as well. Adam Eaton said today that a part of the reason for his struggles in 2020 was definitely just the shortened season and how he said, you know, I, I kind of had, I've always had that mindset, well, I got 162 games to figure it all out, so, you know, it will figure out, and for the most part, he has. James Fegan wrote up, or, you know, did some digging and noticed how, you know, Eaton's second half stats are definitely better than his first half stats, but what worries me about that, just that alone, is we'd, we're not guaranteed 162 games this year, and Adam Engel had a very good 2020. So if we have a shortened season and your competitor's playing pretty well and there was already some concern about you coming in, what is that going to do to your mental approach at the plate? I just wonder about that. I think Adam Eaton is a grown man. Or I'm sorry. Yeah, Adam Eaton is a grown man. He can definitely handle it. But if this has shown to be a factor in the past, what are the odds that it will happen in 2021 as well. Yeah, it, it's a fair point, and it and it brings me to kind of you know another thing I'm thinking about with with the White Sox, right? As a as a organizational philosophy, they gave a lot of time to Nomar Mazzara last year, and and you know a lot of time relative to the season, right? Relative to playing 60 games, I can make the argument that, and shoot, Rick Hans probably made the argument that. Sticking with him as long as they did might have cost them a game or two, might have cost them some better offensive performances. And even though Nomar had some big at bats and a couple of them in the playoffs, you know, you, you play Adam Engel a little bit more against one or two more, you know, left handed starters or something like that. And you've got the hit that gets you the division as opposed to settling where you did and having to face the A's. Now, I don't know if that, you know, ends up in any more success in the postseason or not. The Astros advanced after all. I don't know. But still, you see where I'm going with this. Do you have the temerity as as an organization to sign Adam Eaton to the relatively large sum of, of $8 million? I'm calling it eight, by the way, because the buyout in 21 is the $1 million. So that's it's $8 million committed to Adam Eaton. And I think it's worth talking about that way when we talk about our, you know, the at-bats and the dollars that you're committing to a player, I guess. So if Adam Eaton has struggles if any eight million dollar has player has struggles in 2021 how quickly are you willing to go to the guy that seems to be getting it done how win now are the white Sox prepared to be really well for all the people that have not been a fan of the tony Larusa hire i think this is where he will be that person and he won't care about the contracts he will play who he wants to play again he, he Pitched rookie Lance Lynn 
how many times in the 2011 World Series. So I think a thousand. I think Lance Lynn pitched <laughs> a thousand times in the 2011 World Series. That that would make sense. I mean, with warm up yeah. tosses and you know warm up before the game too, things like yeah. that. Yeah, probably. I mean, it was it was it was it was Lance Lynn and Adam Rachimsky. They were the only guys that that played. They were the only guys. That did pitched. you did you remember that he was the guy? With the whole uh, bullpen phone dilemma from that World Series? Vividly remembered that. Yes, vividly. Because I, I, re- I, rem- I remember the situation, but I didn't realize that it was him. Well, and that's – so the other thing is I think part of the reason I remember that so so vividly is because Sipchinski has one of the greatest baseball nicknames of all time. His nickname was Scrabble, and that's hysterical. It's absolutely hysterical. So that's – why I remember it, I guess. Have you uh, have you ever seen the the Instagram MLB meme post where it says, uh, "Hey, what's the Wi-Fi password?" Oh, it's on the back of the router, and it says the router, and it's a picture of Jared Saltalamakia heading home, <laughs> but it's just the front, not his backside. <laughs> That's great. And the comments were fantastic. They're like, "Oh man, I'm so glad I got this joke." That's <laughs> really just, good. Uh, That's really really good. God, that's good. I'll just finish off with one more Adam Eaton note and talking about how, uh, like I said earlier, the 2016 team is so different than the 2021 White Sox team, even just with the players. Jose Abreu, Tim Anderson, Leori Garcia, and Yolmer Sanchez are the only White Sox that were on the 2016 team that will be Adam Adam Eaton's teammates coming up. I don't see those as controversial guys. And the only other thing I wonder is, I know Ozzie Guillen said everyone in the clubhouse didn't like you. But how much of it is is an Adam Eaton Adam Eaton Todd Frazier thing? How much of it is it is it that? Because all the bickering they did last May, like I went back and and saw all the back and forth action that had happened, and it's so weird because they're both trying to be the bigger man, but they're both not the bigger man when they do it, and it does it does just seem so bitter. So. Again, I, I wonder if maybe that plays in a factor. I get it. There's more people on Frazier's side at the moment. But, again, this is a different team. There's not that many players. He is a guy that now has kids, that's now married. One of his things he says is he has a mortgage. But I also think he's just he's heading into a clubhouse that already is kind of close-knit, as long as we believe. So he's kind of the outsider coming in. He's not one of the guys that, all right, I'm here because we need to do this. Right. And I'm part of this from the get-go. He's he's kind of the guy joining the party rather than starting it. Yeah, he didn't have to be the man, but he's got to put up when he gets his at-bats. Yeah, I, hopefully that is, you know, regardless of, of which player we're talking about with a little bit of a personality scuffle, that, that should be a thing that kicks a ball player in the ass and gets them to perform, right? And, and Or at the very least... Uh, if they're not performing, then at least tug the rope in the same direction that everybody else is. That's worked in many years past in many clubhouses prior, and hopefully that's something that that works for the 21 White Sox. Well, hopefully Adam Eaton's just 2016 Adam Eaton with the bat and 2021 Adam Eaton with his head, and everything will be great. I don't know how likely that is, but for $8 million, that'd be a fantastic buy. You know, we mentioned there's there's not a lot of news with the Cubs, so I'm fine leaving it with being there. They're really we don't have to torture a headline out of nothingness. Um, I am of the opinion that there will be some pretty monumental Cubs news in the next couple of weeks, and we will talk about that quite a bit on the podcast when it happens. Um, I do think, uh, or rather, have seen 
uh, Wayne Randazzo's name brought up as a possibility for a Len Casper replacement at the Marquee Network. I wholeheartedly endorse Wayne Randazzo as the voice of the Cubs, as the voice of the Mets, as the voice of any other Major League franchise that he wants to be a voice of. The Randazzo's a fantastic human being. He calls a damn good ballgame. Uh, I will second that. And again, I, I'm, I'm very biased, but I will second that. Uh, yeah, I liked I liked the article on the Athletic, I believe, by both Mooney and Sharma. Uh, well, have just... you? Well, first things first. You know, listeners of the Baseball from Home podcast should know you and Wayne have a strong personal relationship. Have you gotten him to listen to an episode of the podcast yet? You know what? No, I haven't. I, <laughs> I should son of say, a bitch. Hey, uh, we really stroke your ego in this podcast, Wayne. Why don't you give it a good little listen and uh, a nice five star rating? And for free, <laughs> send us a sandwich. Uh, I'm just, I'm just glad this whole conversation is going to the direction it should be going to, where there's a national search, and now you're seeing. Joe Davis, uh, Jeff Levering, Wayne Randazzo, Corey Provis, all being thrown around, who are all fantastic broadcasters. Boog Shambi, who's somebody I did not think of on the last podcast, but i that's another fantastic fit. But yeah, again, I'm, I'm just very glad that this search is getting the recognition it deserves. And, and Mike Farron, and Mike Farron's name has been thrown out there too, which is great. So, yeah, I mean, there's there's going to be a lot of movement, I think, because, well, the Reds' job is open, how the Cubs' job is open, so these jobs don't come by often. So I, I think that there will be probably some more movement, and when that happens, dominoes fall, and then there's yeah. a lot of shuffling. But there's a lot of good broadcasters out there, and it's, it's it, again, the Cubs' job is so unique because it's so prominent. But it's also in Chicago, so you like to have that tie. And it's the TV job, so you need somebody with a lot of TV experience. And our guy Wayne Randazzo fits a lot of those qualifications. So, again, I, I will third my statement for Wayne Randazzo. Well, and, and here's the thing. You know, maybe maybe we're pro-Wayne on this podcast, and that's fine. Um, but I do think something worth noting is, you know, Len's not a Len wasn't a Chicago guy. And I, I just think that this city and this city's sports fans they they like their own and and I think that's pretty obvious it's not quite like in other towns you know some other towns either you're from here or you're or get get out you know what I mean it's just like it's it's either you are or you're not I think this city accepts and begins to love a lot of people that are not of this town like Hawk Harrelson grew up a Red Sox player and had no ties to Chicago but obviously created a relationship with it. Harry Carey was a Cardinals broadcaster. And we don't even have to just talk about broadcasters here. Like, there are so many favorite sons of Chicago, sons and daughters of Chicago for that matter, that weren't from here but become of here. And I, I think, you know, maybe other than New York or L.A., where no one is is you know, no one famous is really ever from, with the exception of, you know, I'm talking about sports players, right? I, I feel like this city assumes people. Kids grow up in California playing baseball and then just become always of the Dodgers. Or, you know, you grow up outside of, of you know, you're like Stanton or something like that. Growing up outside of New York and, or sorry, Judge, growing up outside of New York and you become a Yankee and all this kind of stuff. And it's, that doesn't happen so much here, right? We, we have to absorb those from other places because we're in the middle and you don't get to play baseball year-round. And it's like Ron Coomer. Ron Coomer is the guy that's from here and does all of that. And he's wonderful for it. But you don't have to be from here to get what this is. 
it helps. There's no doubt about it. But it's not an of this place kind of necessity. Like you said earlier, doesn't have to be broadcasters. Look at Tim Anderson. Look at look at Robbie. Look at Robbie Gold. Yeah. Robbie Gold loves Chicago. He's still here. He's been kicking for the Niners for how many years now? And he still just flies back to Chicago yeah. every Monday after he kicks a couple of field goals and cashes his check in. So, yeah, no, wonderful place. I think the sports. Ambiance is what draws people in, and then once they get here, that's when they realize everything else the city has to offer. And what reminds them of the small town feel back home or the big city environment which they came from originally, we got it all right here. It's it's the best summertime town in the world. It just is. Yes, uh, yes. I know it for a fact. Hopefully summer's coming soon. Uh, one one we mentioned off the top of the show, there was a, a kick in the newts for minor league baseball, really for baseball fans everywhere. Some 43 teams were removed from the organizations that they had been attached to, some for quite some time. Joe, I, I know your club was contracted as part of this. I feel for you, man. I, I'm going to—this is your thing. I have been raging against this coming contraction of the minor leagues for years now. Um, I worked in minor league baseball for one season, but it's always been a big part of my life. Like even as growing up, I always lived in minor league towns for whatever reason. I don't know if that was my parents' conscious decision or not. I have no idea, but I was always very close to them. And I, I understand what those teams do for communities. And I think it's absolutely nonsense that absolutely nonsense that major league baseball has made this as financially driven as they have it's preposterous to me and i i just i feel for everybody who works for those teams and and will not have that for their lives going forward it just it just sucks yeah it was a big day uh and not in a good way it it was a day we knew was coming but we still had trouble preparing ourselves for it i guess is the best way to put it yeah so i i had been broadcasting kane county cougar games for Seven straight years last season, 2020, would have been my eighth. Um, And it looks like there's a good chance there will be Kane County Cougars baseball in 2021, but clearly at a a different capacity. It's definitely a punch in the gut because I feel Northwestern Medicine Field is a fantastic facility and a fantastic location. And I'll say this, the the immediate response I got from friends and colleagues in the business was overwhelming. I I really appreciate everybody reaching out. I'm going to start with this. I'm fine. Don't feel bad for me. Please don't. Uh, of course, I love my job calling Kane County Cougar games and affiliated baseball, but I'll still be okay. I still have a lot of great on-air opportunities, including this one that you're listening to right now. It looks like I'll still be able to do baseball games, so that's just all fine and dandy. The life of a minor league broadcaster is one that graduates college and moves from wherever the hell they're from to halfway across the country to live a dream and call minor league baseball games. I have had the unbelievable luck of only having to leave the Chicagoland area for three months when I went up to Michigan to call games for the Traverse City Beach Bums. Since then, I got to work under Wayne for a year, which was a thrill and huge for my career. And since then, I have been the voice of the Kane County Cougars. It has been a fabulous seven years of calling affiliated baseball in the Chicagoland area. 
And I really, really am thinking of the minor league broadcasters that don't have a job anymore. And more importantly, just the people that work at minor league parks that are either missing out on a job entirely, a change, or rather will have a change in income because of this, because that's definitely going to happen, or just the fans that miss out on are going to miss out on going to games because that's affecting the entire nation right now. I understand the need to improve the accommodations for players. I wholeheartedly understand that. I've been in hotels where you feel dirtier when you towel yourself off out of the shower. But going about it this way hurts a lot of people. It hurts them in their pockets and it hurts them in their hearts. It's a very sad day. And my heart goes out to those people that are way more significantly affected than I was. It's it's a punch in the gut to me, but I'll be okay. And it is going to suck. But for the people that have survived, for the teams that have survived, good for you. Please spread minor league joy. Continue it. The baseball world needs minor league baseball. The baseball fans need minor league baseball. The nation needs minor league baseball. So just please continue to put out a fantastic product for those of us that can. It's well said. I wish you didn't have to say it, man. I really do. That does it for this episode of the Baseball From Home podcast. We will be back with another one next Friday. Thank you so much for listening. Subscribe, rate, and review. We'll talk to you next week. How to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.